0: You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investors resource. Welcome to The Real Well Show. I'm Kathy Fetke, and today I'm just going to be interviewing myself, I guess. I want to give you a summary of my experience at the 10th annual IMN Single Family Rental Conference in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yes, the 10th annual. And I've been going to these since the beginning. Uh, In fact, that takes us back, right, to 2012. And that is the year that Warren Buffett came out and said, if I could buy a few hundred thousand homes, find a way to manage them, I would. And that's the key there, is buying the homes, not so difficult, but managing them and having them create a cash flow, that's a whole different story. Well, Wall Street listened, as they always do, to what Warren Buffett says, and many single-family rental funds were formed. And then IMN, Single Family Rental Conference, was created to support that endeavor. Because again, owning a bunch of homes all over the place is very, very different than owning a single apartment. And many of the Wall Street investors had been doing that. So it was definitely a new thing, a new asset class. Mom and pops had been doing it for years. But how could one owner own thousands of properties? So you fast forward to today, they figured a lot of things out. And this is kind of the first downturn besides covid Uh, That many of these funds have gone through. So it will be very interesting to see how things go moving forward. I'm just going to give you some notes from the opening session. I never miss the opening session because it's just packed full of information. Got all these hedge fund managers and institutional investors and property managers and lenders on the stage, and they really have an inside view of what's going on. Um, Do keep in mind, though, that large investors, which are considered funds that have more than 100 properties, they really make up a really small portion of rental property owners. In fact, uh, out of all single family rentals, the funds only own about one, a little over 1%. So the mom and pop investor is still the biggest investor in this space. And for those who think that uh, they own most of, or they've been buying everything, they've really only been buying 3% of uh, homes that have sold in the last couple of years. So they're not as huge a player as people might think, but at the same time in certain markets where they go really heavy, people are definitely affected. And those markets are Atlanta, Jacksonville, Charlotte, Phoenix, Miami. You were probably getting outbid by institutional investor in those markets over the past few years. Obviously there are in other markets too, but those were the big ones that were focused on. Uh, so, to go back to the opening remarks at, at IMN this past week, this really stood out. And actually, it was a slide uh, that was created by John Burns of John Burns Real Estate Consulting. I've had him here on the Real Wealth Show many times. I would consider him a friend and colleague and just a really, really good forecaster and data guy. They were really and, and have been giving builders information needed uh, because builders have a long runway. If if builders are going to try to put in a subdivision, it could take 10 years and they really need to understand demographics and, uh, you know, migration patterns. And John Burns has been really active in that space. Also job growth versus number of permits to make sure there's not overbuilding in the area. And then over the past few years, he's also helped a lot of, a lot of these builders look at build to rent scenarios So this was a slide that he shared, or that was shared at IMN at the opening session. And basically, with sales, sales are down 57 percent with iBuyers, and then 27 percent decline in sales for the funds that own more than 100 homes. Um, So you've really got a lot less competition out there from these big corporations. What was super interesting and they weren't really sure why, there's only a 4% decline in sales of those who own nine to 100 rental properties. And that really is a lot of our Real Wealth members. Once people start buying rental property, they just keep going. So many of our members at Real Wealth are are far past owning nine properties. Um, The next statistic was those who only own one to nine properties, that number of sales has dropped 22%. So to break this up, this is what the discussion was about on that opening panel of why, you know, what's going on. And what they were saying is that big investors are pulling back because it's really hard for them to scale at the size that they're used to buying at um, with the scenario that we're facing today, which is really high prices combined with really high interest rates, right? If you're going to be buying retail, a new home at retail prices, and then paying seven or eight percent, you're going to be needing to make more than that in cash flow to make it make sense. And I think a lot of these big funds don't—they can't do that. And also, many of the big funds have focused their energy into the build-to-rent space, which means that they'll buy land and kind of build a horizontal apartment. Um, so it's just like a lot of townhomes or single-family homes because people want yards and uh, building those and 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 having it all. Instead of having scattered sites all over the place, buying homes anywhere and everywhere like they did in 2012, they thought it might be easier to have it just be in one place and one landlord and we build it and and it's a rental property, but it's a single family home or townhome. The problem is so much money has gone into build to rent. And with the last two years with material costs soaring and labor costs soaring and then lending costs soaring. The numbers are just not working out the way people thought they would on that build to rent space. So there was kind of a lot of discussion that maybe next year, the panels at IMN are going to look really different because some of those companies are just not going to make it. So that was really sobering news and really interesting what's going to happen to these build to rent communities if people can't get lower financing. On the other hand, many of the of the panelists and especially the lenders were saying that they do think that rates will come back down sometime next year, the middle to end of next year. In which case, when these built to rent communities do get built and they're needing to refinance into longer term debt or, or just finance the construction, it might be better for them next year. Uh, so there was a lot of confidence that that was going to be the case. What was really interesting, and I think this is important for all of us who invest in buy and hold property, the difference in payment of a $200,000 house is very dramatic. If you own it, you're going to be paying around $1,100. But if you rent it, you might be paying around $800 a month. And the difference is the renter doesn't have to pay for repairs and maintenance and all the things that you have to do when you own a home. So basically, if renting is 30% cheaper than owning, this is an incredible time to be a landlord if you can make the numbers work. So that's why uh, the general consensus was the experienced real estate investor, mom and pop type person is really going to do well and is not afraid of this market. A new investor might be afraid because they don't know how to get a deal. They might not know how to negotiate. And then the big funds uh, just can't scale because they're not out there buying properties necessarily, fixing them up and renting them. Uh, Many of them, as I said, moved to the build to rent model. So this leaves a lot of room for those of us who are kind of nimble and off the radar. And we can have scattered sites, meaning we don't have to have all our rental properties in one place. And now we don't have all this institutional competition. So it's an incredible, incredible opportunity for the sophisticated mom and pop. And that's what we've been doing at Real Wealth forever is, well, forever since 2003, helping investors become sophisticated mom and pops. You know, we've been educating people on on all aspects of rental property investing, from getting the right financing to being in the right market, uh, being in the right price point in that market, being near job growth, population growth, and I love to be around infrastructure growth. And then you combine that with affordability, and it is a recipe for success today. Now, I know a lot of people are afraid, but I'm telling you, it couldn't—I I don't want to say it couldn't be better—but it is an incredible time to be an investor because there's so little competition out there. And when you're able to find a deal, we're finding many, many of the sellers that we refer people to are offering to pay down points so that the loan is really pretty affordable. It's incredible. So you can you can actually buy a new home. And then have, you know, negotiate that they pay down your loan to as low as, I don't know, five and three quarters percent. That's a really good rate for investment property on a new home in these areas that are growing still and where there's even more demand for rentals because so few people can now qualify to buy the home. It just doesn't make sense. So again, this is an incredible opportunity. Um, That was really the big takeaway for me is, oh my gosh, we've been fighting with these funds for so long and it's our turn now. Now, keep in mind, I am a fund manager. We're wrapping up uh, a single family rental fund right now and starting a new one. The new one I am so excited about. I just got back from Dallas looking at property and I'm, I'm excited for the reasons I just said. I love to be in areas where there's population growth i love to be in areas where there's job growth and where it's still affordable and then add the infrastructure growth. And my goodness, uh, you can make cash flow and appreciation over time. So when I just went to Dallas, we had a property tour and we had an event there for people interested in the fund and investing in the fund. And then we drove around parts of Texas that are still growing so rapidly we We've drove by job sites that are bringing in thousands and thousands of jobs through chip manufacturing and I mean, just all kinds of jobs for miles and miles and miles, we're seeing freeway expansions, even a new airport, uh, cranes everywhere with these huge businesses coming in that are not going away. I mean, when you put in a factory or build your headquarters, you're that's not a temporary decision. That's something that took a long time to decide. so, Back in 2003, when Rich and I were buying in Texas, we were saying we were seeing the same kind of growth. I never thought it would last this long, but it just keeps going. And I think COVID really actually increased that growth because more and more companies want to be in areas that are business friendly. Uh, So we are just really excited to have all of those fundamentals in place. And even more so, where there's even more rental demand than ever on top of the job and population growth and infrastructure growth and very little competition. So we went and looked at a property for the fund we are now acquiring. We've raised uh, enough money to to get going and start acquiring, although it's still open if people are interested. You can go to growdevelopments.com to find out about that fund. Um, We went and looked at a property that came from a wholesaler. It was $120,000 right near some of these new huge, huge warehouses and businesses that and headquarters that are being built. Cute little house. We paid one hundred and twenty thousand dollars for it. Uh, my partner thought that maybe it was going to take a lot, need a lot of work, so she budgeted forty thousand dollars for the renovation. When we went in, it's not going to be even close to that. Probably half of that. But the ARV is around two hundred twenty thousand. So as of for the fund, I mean, we're, we're getting built-in equity and right off the bat in an area that has tremendous demand for rentals. We just closed on another one today with similar numbers. And uh, I'm telling you, being a, that mid-size investor between nine and 100 properties is really exciting. And again, like I said, it's only a 4% decline in sales in that category because those tend to be investors who know how to take advantage of a market like this. Um, all right. Another point that was made at IMN was inflation. Right? We all know we're in it. Uh, you can't print trillions of dollars and think we're not going to be in it. So that just just know that when when the public wants things, when politicians want things, when they're giving money away, when they're paying student debt, like all of these things are wonderful. It's just that if it's not being paid for through taxes, uh, then it's going to be paid a different way, and that different way. Has been just printing money. Now, nobody really wants their taxes to go up. I certainly don't. Um, there isn't, there is no way that we could raise taxes enough to cover all the things that people want. So, the way that politicians get around it is again through pr- printing money. And when you print money, instead of you know having people work and then you just charge them tax, uh, when you just print money instead because you want to stay in office by not raising taxes. Well, then you've got inflation and that's where we're at. It's called modern monetary policy and basically just printing money so that constituents are happy. They get the things that they want uh, and politicians get reelected. What people don't understand is how much this hurts people on fixed incomes or on low incomes because it's a silent tax. Anytime you print money. You're basically throwing money into the system, which drives prices up, and that really hurts people who are already having a hard time paying for things because things get more expensive. So that would be the elderly, and that would be low-income people, Um, so retirees and and low-income families. So just know that the more we print money, the harder it's going to be. Now, who is this good for? It's good for people who have inflationary assets. So if you own real estate, which typically is, does well in inflationary times, especially when there's not enough of it, which is the case today, uh, you inflation's good for you. If you own assets, you're going to be fine. So the divide between the haves and the have-nots is just growing and growing and growing the more we do this modern monetary theory. So that's why I tell everybody to do what you can to get into hard assets. There's FHA loans where you only have to put 3% down. There's wholesaling, seller financing. There's ways to do it. You just have to learn because if you don't, you're going to get left behind. It's going to be like the ship took off without you and you're trying to swim after it. And there's a storm and the ship is big and warm and comfortable and everybody's having cocktails and you're in the water trying to catch up with it. You're not going to. Um, You're not going to be able to keep up with this unless you have hard assets, which is why I do what I do to tell as many people as I can that if you don't get in the game, and you can, you don't have to have money to do it. It's easier if you have money to do it. But I know plenty of people who've gotten into wholesaling or subject to or seller financing. There's ways to get property. Um, So you need to learn it or you will be stuck in that cold water chasing the party boat. Okay. So that inflation, inflation was a big topic. Obviously, the Fed is trying to fight it. Inflationary numbers are going to look better over the next coming months because it was last year at this time that inflation really spiked. So when we look at year-over-year numbers, it's not going to look as bad. But all you have to do is look up the price of anything over the past 10, 20, 30, 40, or 50 years, and you'll see that inflation has been with us. This is nothing new. It started in 1971, particularly because uh, Nixon took us off the gold standard, and that basically allowed politicians to just print as much money as they want. And they were somewhat careful with it back then because people knew the consequences. Now they don't. Uh, there's not a lot of education on this. I'll tell you, when, whenever there was money printed, it was headline news, and it was only a few billion dollars or something, and that was considered just awful. Now trillions of dollars are printed and nobody even knows about it or understands the implications of that. Um, so it's very sad because the poor will get poorer and the rich will get richer, but don't blame the rich. (laughs) That's all I can say is if, if a helicopter dumps trillions of dollars out and certain people go run and get and pick up those dollars, is it their fault? Uh, you know, it's, it's the system. We've got to look at what's behind it. So you either pick up the dollars or you don't either take advantage or you don't. Um, but that's, that's basically what's happening. Okay. So there was a few other comments, um, that during these sessions, one was on lending. Um, basically these were some of the comments. I don't remember who said them, but I I wrote them down. Somebody said, there has to be a flushing of everything that happened in the last two years. That's That sounds scary, right? The strong will survive. The weak will not massive reshuffling coming. Major firms will fall. It's like they've jumped off a building that's 100 stories high and they think they're flying. Okay, that was the comment. So, as we know, there were a lot of big lenders that came into the business, a lot of institutional investors that came in were buying properties at retail pricing, were uh, not getting, you know, were over leveraged, and they're going to learn some hard lessons. That's why I'm constantly saying stay low leverage, lock in long term debt. Uh, because it's really the commercial properties that adjust. If you're locked into 30 or fixed rates, you are golden. And like I said, so many of the teams that we work with at Real Wealth are buying down your your debt so that you know, you're know you fixed into low rates and, and uh, no competition out there on the buy. All right. Another quote was, liquidity is drying up. Pizza has eight slices. Pizza has eight slices and six of them are gone. (laughs) So uh, they were basically expecting bridge loans will be at 12% and LTVs at 65, even lower when it comes to commercial properties. So again, if you're in commercial real estate, if you have a fund and you're trying to finance that fund or an apartment, you are on a bridge loan or you need a bridge loan, it's just going to get harder and harder for portfolio loans to make the numbers work. So there will be fallout for people who were in short-term loans um, and we're not expecting rates to be this massive. Uh, that's why, again, the single family rental industry is so awesome because you can still lock in, like I said, 30-year fixed rate notes uh, if you buy down the rate to low sixes, high fives. and That's a normal rate. That's a very good rate. I started this business when we were paying seven, eight, sometimes even 9%. Uh, so to me, five and 6% rates are fantastic. The Anything below that, the fives, the fours, the threes, my goodness, the twos, it's not normal. And if you want those rates, then you have to also want something like a pandemic or a war or a recession, because that's the only time uh, rates go down that low is when something really bad is happening. But in a good stable market, five, six, even 7% for investment property is great So we just have to recalibrate and and remember what a normal market is, and we're heading into that. Okay, well, um, those were just some of the comments. I will say overall, it was a really great conference at IMN. I I was told there were 2,000 people there. It was packed. It's very formal, so it's all business suits. (laughs) Uh, But people were, there was a, a mixture of caution and excitement. And again, I think the excitement is for the experienced investors who understand what market to be in, what to buy, if you can build an equity even better and lock in low rates even better. On our fund, we still have banks in Texas because they understand the market, their local banks, who are going to be refinancing our fund at like five, five and a half low you know, um, high fives in this market. So it's incredible. Um, my partner on the on the Texas Fund single family rental fund has a lot of friends in the lending business who really do believe that rent uh, that rates are going to come down next summer. So we are seeing this opportunity right now where many people don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, there's lots of scary headlines that values are going to plummet and. Uh, and it's a terrible time to buy. So that that's all good if you're a buyer because that means you have less competition. But when we look at a property and we say, oh my gosh, we could buy this for 120,000, put 20,000 into it, it's worth 220, and rent it 1% of that. I mean, what's to argue with in a growth area where there's construction everywhere? I don't care what the rates are. That's a good deal. But if we can get a rate under 6%, even better. So if you want to find out more about our fund, you can go to growdevelopments.com. It's uh, my syndication company, and it, it just kind of talks about that current fund. We're going to do a build-to-rent one too, but this is kind of more of a Burr fund. If you don't know what Burr is, I think Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets coined that Burr is buy, renovate, refi. Wait, no, no, no. Buy, renovate, rent, refi, and repeat. So the idea is that you buy something, you renovate it, you improve the value. And when you refi, you get all your money out and you go do it again. That's basically what our fund is doing. So it's it's really exciting and exciting time to be doing that. All right. Well, if you have any questions, I'm now doing Ask Kathy podcast. So you could just send them over to us at RealWealth. Just go to RealWealth.com and uh, when you log in, you know, you'll... There'll be a, a way to contact us for your questions. Um, you can also go to realwealthshow.com uh, to, fight, to see the show notes. So happy to share my uh, trip from last week. It was a lot of fun. I also went to Jamil's, uh, Jamil and Pace's triple digit flip party in Scottsdale where it was 90s hip hop. That was a lot of fun. Rich came out and joined me. I think we've got some pictures posted on Facebook for that. And on Instagram, my Instagram, by the way, is Kathy Becky. Pretty easy to find me anywhere. I think I'm the only one with that name, which by the way, I think means little fatty in German. So, you know, I, I don't know. I married into it. Anyway, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Hope you're enjoying your holidays and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.